0: This edition of Outcasting will begin in a few moments. Like all public radio stations, WDFH depends on financial support from our listeners. Please visit WDFH.org and click on donate to make your tax deductible gift. Shows like this can't be done without your support. Thanks, and now, Outcasting. This is Outcasting the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite contraceptives, where you don't have to be queer to be here. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3, in Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. Hi, I'm Maddie. The initial broadcast of this edition of Outcasting is airing on World AIDS Day. World AIDS Day is observed every year around the world on December 1st. The first observation was in 1988, and it's one of the most recognized international health days. Joining us to talk about World AIDS Day and where we stand in the fight against HIV-AIDS is Twana Hines, the coordinator of the Comprehensive Adolescent Pregnancy Prevention Program and co-chair of the Youth Outreach Committee at Planned Parenthood, Hudson Peconic. Twana, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. We're also joined by Santo Barbara Giovanni, CHAPS Program Supervisor with AIDS-Related Community Services. CHAPS stands for Community Health Alliance for Prevention and Safety. Santo, thank you for joining
1: us. Thanks for having me.
0: Today, we're going to talk about uh, World AIDS Day. When the AIDS outbreak first became really, really public, not much was known. How much do you think is known now?
2: I think our... Awareness and understanding of what HIV and AIDS are has grown tremendously. In the beginning, I'm old enough to remember, you know, when it was called gay disease or gay cancer, um, really due to a tremendous amount of misunderstanding about what HIV and AIDS really are. Santo?
1: I definitely agree with Twana. There is a a foundation, a basic understanding of what HIV/AIDS is, how it's transmitted who can get it, how to prevent it, how to treat it. And I do agree with Twana when it was labeled GRID, the gay disease. There was no understanding of what it was. Very little research was being done. But now I I believe that there's a basic understanding. I think there's still a lot more education needed, especially in the schools. And I find that places like Mount Vernon, where my office is, areas of uh, lower socioeconomic status, there's less education and more misunderstanding of what hiv is
0: i'm a student in a school where especially in health classes discussion about hiv and aids is a pretty common thing and even in you know families in our area especially it's it's a topic that people are comfortable speaking about openly now but what was it like emotionally and socially to witness the chaos that was the first news of the outbreak of aids
1: There was a great panic among the gay community, number one, and there was also a panic among everybody. They weren't sure how it was transmitted, how people got it, and even on the news, they weren't sure what it was. I do remember, you know, people weren't able to get a funeral if they had HIV. Uh, If there were car accidents, there was a fatality and somebody had HIV or was identified as having HIV, people were scared to even go near the car accident.
2: Ignorance or lack of knowledge breeds fear, and that goes for a lot of different things. And I would say when HIV-AIDS first kind of came around in the United States and people didn't know, they used a great word, panic, and Santo used another great word, chaos. We don't know where this is coming from, how it's possible to get it. Uh, if someone breathes on you, can you get it? Is it like the common cold? There was a lot of just misunderstanding about what it was and how it was transmitted, The beauty of increasing our knowledge about HIV-AIDS is knowing how it's transmitted and how you can decrease
0: the likelihood that you will contract it. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's always more to be known, but at least we have that basic education now. How does this make you feel? How does having an education system where talking about HIV and AIDS is openly discussed Knowledge is indeed
2: power, and we know that there are only four fluids that transmit HIV.
0: Imagine that—only four fluids. Would you like to tell us the four fluids?
2: Uh, that would be blood, semen, vaginal secretions, and breast milk. So, if you know that there are only four, and you know that if you don't, if you reduce or limit or completely avoid exposure to any of those four fluids the chance of you getting HIV is tremendously, I would say, reduced. You can reduce your risk of infection by knowing what the fluids are and not interacting with them or using contraceptives to create barriers between those fluids in your body.
0: Santa?
1: Um And also I think that, uh, you know, because I currently am a tester, so I provide HIV AIDS testing to clients and, um, I am very excited, as Tawana said, that I have clients come in and they're able to tell me what HIV-AIDS is. They're able to tell me how it's transmitted. They're able to tell me, you know, what the acronyms stand for. There is still a little bit of confusion as to um, the likelihood of transmission if exposed, but that's something as educators that we could work towards.
0: We talk a lot about prevention and possible causes, What are some things that you think the general public should definitely know about um, prevention or possible causes or anything that's necessary to know about HIV-AIDS? Are there things that you
2: could do that don't put you at risk for HIV? Hugging someone won't expose you to contracting HIV. Touching... um, Different things like that. There are other low-risk things. Um, deep kissing. Um, you'd have to be extremely, pretty, uh, violently kissing to uh, cause blood or something like that. And so there are different things that you can do that are like low or no risk that don't involve um, increasing your likelihood of being exposed to HIV. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say also to know is that HIV is not curable, The way that AIDS attacks the body is that it attacks the immune system. And I always say the immune system is like your body's little army, keeping you safe from all kinds of infections, from the flu to the cold to things like that. Like your immune system, if it's boosted, keeps you safe. And the way that AIDS... Um, compromises the body is that it attacks the immune system. So your little army is now gone. And so people who die from AIDS don't necessarily die from AIDS. They die from the diseases that their bodies are now succumbed to because their immune system is compromised. Mm
1: -hmm. This is a completely preventable disease, meaning that if you protect yourself, if you reduce the, you know, if you... Practice risk reduction and harm reduction techniques. Use condoms. Use any type of prophylactic. If you take the proper precautions, as Twana was saying, you won't be exposed to this virus. And number two is the virus itself is, it's a, a weak virus. It's a virus that needs our bodies to duplicate itself. So just because you are exposed does not mean that you have the virus. Um, you should go speak to... Uh, a medical professional or your practitioner, and discuss a possible exposure to see what you can do
0: we've highlighted a couple uh different methods of prevention, but what are what are some uh, pretty basic ones that you know most regular people would have access to
2: abstinence definitely reduces, if not eliminates, the chance that you'll become pregnant or contract an STI or HIV, things like that. However, if you don't abstain, then making sure that you're using contraceptives, different barriers to make sure that you eliminate or decrease greatly the risk of exposure to any of the fluids that carry HIV.
1: Reducing you know, the risk of being exposed to HIV is, is to reduce bodily fluids from being exchanged from one person to the next. And there's many things that you can do to reduce that. And other types of activities that you can participate in or partake in with your partner, that does not allow for uh, bodily fluid exchange.
0: This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite contraceptives, where you don't have to be queer to be here. We're talking with Tawana Hines and Santo Barbagiovanni, about uh, World AIDS day HIV and AIDS can be a very hard topic for someone to not only you know come to terms with but but even bring up in their life. What are some things that you suggest that someone could possibly say to their doctor or even to their friends if they think that they might have HIV and AIDS?
1: Well luckily enough, recently the state of New York passed a law. That mandates all practitioners um, and primary care physicians to offer an HIV test to their patient. Sometimes doctors rush through appointments, but if you do say to a doctor that you have a great concern about something and you need to speak with them, normally they slow down and they will sit and talk with you.
2: And it's important to remember that New York State is a minor's rights state as well, so that any teen, young adult, can receive medical services, testing, things like that, without um, anyone besides their medical provider knowing. Um, it's definitely a confidentiality issue, no matter which medical provider you're seeing. Um, legally, you cannot
0: divulge that information. What is the uh, typical process for someone going in to get tested?
1: All you need to do is either make a phone call or you can walk into our one of our health centers or facilities, and we have eight facilities in Hudson Valley, the Lower Hudson Valley, and you can ask for an HIV test, and you will be provided with an HIV test free. We use uh, the rapid testing technology, so you would receive a preliminary results within twenty minutes. And um, specifically, the CHAPS program, we provide STI testing, so we draw blood, we take urine specimens, if we feel that there's a high risk that you may have been exposed to some sort of uh, sexually transmitted infection?
2: Uh, same here. And I would say the very first step is knowing that anyone can contract HIV. It doesn't matter if you're straight, gay, bisexual, um, somewhere in between asexual. I mean, anyone can contract HIV. Um, it doesn't discriminate based on race, ethnicity. Age, anything like that. So if you're wondering, should you get tested with that being your first one? If you've had unprotected vaginal or anal intercourse with someone who's had HIV AIDS, you may have been exposed. Um, if you've shared needles, and again, when we think of needles, remember ear piercing, tattooing, those are also needles. So if any of the needles, um, have been shared or not cleaned, you may be at risk. Um, if you've had a deep puncture with a needle or a surgical in- instrument, Or if you've had HIV-infected blood, semen, vaginal secretions, or breast milk, and an open wound or sore, then you may be at risk. And so if you wanted to go and get tested, uh, there are two different types. There's anonymous and there's confidential testing. Uh, Confidential testing would be that your name is attached or some other identifying information is attached to your test, but it's kept confidential. Anonymous testing is that your name, no identifying information, is attached to your testing, Um, and so that's your identifying information is divorced from your actual testing. So you can go in for either. Um, At Planned Parenthood Hudson Peconic, we have a Smart Wheels van. So we uh, go to different health fairs, and we're out in the community, and HIV testing is absolutely free in our van. And so it's you, it's the health educator, um, the clinician, or whoever medical staff is there testing and giving HIV education information, um, and your results are um, your private medical information.
1: With regard to the different types of tests that Tuana was speaking about, the anonymous and the confidential, the anonymous test, as she said, is uh, there's no name or personal information uh, that goes along with the test. You're assigned mostly a number, uh, sometimes a barcode, um, and you can get the test results, but none of these results, the results would be reported to the Department of Health Simply for statistical information, they there would be no personal information because there was never any personal information collected. As opposed to the confidential, um, we collect all demographic information, all personal information, and if somebody were to test positive, uh, the Department of Health will receive that information uh, automatically. Uh, many times if somebody does test anonymously, and then ends up testing positive, we urge that person to then do a confirmatory test because all tests have to be confirmed. Uh, We urge them to go to a confidential test so that if the second test comes up positive, then they can receive services.
0: So what are some of the considerations that would lead someone to choose either uh, confidential or anonymous?
1: Many people choose anonymous because they're, they're scared, they're frightful. Uh, there may be some conflict within the home with their partner, uh, possibly a domestic violence issue, which normally is screened during testing. Some people just don't feel comfortable providing that personal information at first.
0: This is Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show, dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite contraceptives, where well, you don't have to be queer to be here. We're talking with Tawana Hines and Santo Barbagiovanni uh, about World AIDS Day. Is there any issue with youth, teens, mostly having access to contraceptives?
2: New York State is minors' rights, and so teens can have access to contraceptives um, if needed in any kind of medical services. The one thing that there is an exception to that. Um HPV vaccine vaccination law is different from, say, getting Implanon, which is the implant birth control or the pill or things like that, because the laws governing contraceptive use are different from vaccine laws. So if you wanted to be vaccinated against HPV, you would need parental consent. If you wanted birth control
0: um, prescription, you would not. Okay. And as far as going to get tested, are there
2: any uh, restrictions for teens? Teens can receive HIV testing Um, without restriction. I would definitely encourage contacting your medical provider and seeing what services are available and what are the restrictions on youth based on that.
0: Okay. And so once someone has contacted their medical provider or um, decided to go get tested, what are some resources that they can use, even locations where they can go to get tested?
2: Our website is uh, www.pphp, for Planned Parenthood, Hudson And there's a widget there where you can plug in your address, and it'll tell you which um, health center is closest to you. And we also have a texting program, and it can give you that you sort have of the resources. And if you text the word clinic to that number, it'll give you every um, medical clinic in your regional area, not just Planned Parenthood, every uh, medical clinic that's in your region closest to where you're texting from
1: and you could reach us um our website is www.arcs.org um you could reach us there you can get a wealth of information regarding where to find condoms um from what services are provided for all our different programs that we have you could visit us on facebook uh by searching gay westchester we have a facebook page we normally uh we provide um, event posts and we provide information when we'll be testing, where we'll be testing, and we also have a new Twitter and that's at Chaps New York.
2: We love Westchester teens, and if you happen to be listening to this program and you're not in Westchester, PlannedParenthood.org is our umbrella um, organization, and you can find the affiliate closest to you. And other youth-based or um, youth-focused resources, um, the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy um, has StayTeen.org. Bedsider, and tons of different other resources that are
0: very focused towards issues and items and concerns that are related to youth. Okay, and we'll have all of these resources um, online at WDFH.org under Outcasting. Every year, World AIDS Day has a theme, and over the years, the themes have gotten progressively lighter, I guess you would say, and 2011's theme is Getting to Zero. So I was just wondering, what does that mean for you, and what do you think it means for the general population? For me, as an
2: educator, when I hear the phrase getting to zero, I think of going into a classroom or being at a health fair, and if I ask someone, what are the four fluids that transmit um, HIV, the number of people who didn't know would be zero. Or if I asked someone, um what are the barriers that you encounter in trying to get life-saving health care that you need? Um, the number of barriers would be zero. Uh,
1: what it means to me is getting to zero where there's no longer new HIV, eight, uh, AIDS cases coming up, that there's no more testing positive, that the, the message and the education the prevention um, has worked to the extent where everybody is, using the proper precautions and protection to stop transmission and exposure to HIV.
0: Even though the official World AIDS Day is recognized on December 1st every year, people struggle with HIV and AIDS every day. For many people, it's a daily struggle. So what can we do to raise awareness year-round, and not only on December 1st, but, but every day? I would say the thing that you could do year-round is keep yourself safe.
2: Uh, Definitely practice safer sex. Use contraceptives if you're having sex. Um, And year-round, one of the ways that we can help contain the number of newly diagnosed cases, um, newly infected persons with HIV and newly diagnosed cases of AIDS is by staying safe and practicing safer sex if you're sexually
0: active. Some statistics show that uh, the AIDS rate Is actually growing because it's now seen as a manageable disease and not necessarily a death threat anymore what kind of you know news have you seen
2: I remember when I was a little girl and I was much younger and when I was in my teen years even um, the face of AIDS was someone with the um, the lesions, so the open sores, the um, very frail body. Just the idea that it was that if you contracted HIV, that did develop into AIDS, and once that invel- developed into AIDS, you died. That was the general understanding of what HIV and AIDS are. With medications and treatments and things like that, I will say that I have um, heard that among some communities and um, that. Uh, some of the misconceptions even like when I ask you know is HIV curable um, hearing something say yes it's actually no no, it's not. it's HIV is still not curable. And so I would say that that has changed that maybe the um, which is an education issue, just making sure that people are more educated about what HIV is, how it's spread, and the fact that it is not a curable um, infection at the moment.
0: What are some of the the burdens, the modern burdens of living with uh, HIV?
1: Some of the modern burdens, burdens which uh, were the burdens of people living with HIV, you know, twenty years ago, is medication compliance, um, side effects from medications, their rigorous medication schedules, that they have to be very careful with certain activities. They have to be extremely conscious of who they have sex with to, you know, provide that information with their sexual partners. The rate in which HIV goes to AIDS is 10 years. It, it, it's, medication has done such a great job sustaining health uh, for people with HIV, but people with HIV normally will die from complications of HIV.
0: This is Outcasting. We're talking with Tawana Hines and Santo Barba Giovanni about uh, World AIDS Day. How might someone bring up HIV with a partner?
1: Someone's HIV status is it's an extremely personal thing, and it, it's a very difficult thing sometimes to disclose to your loved ones, your partners. But if you feel as though you can share this information with somebody and that they would not react in a way that could be or would be harmful to you, then, of course, by all means, share that information. But if one doesn't feel comfortable enough to share something so personal about themselves, then um, they should probably hold off and wait and maybe find, you know, uh, another way that uh, would be helpful to tell um, their partner. Maybe um, obtain the services of uh, PNAP, which is a service that the Department of Health of New York State provides to help people that have been newly diagnosed with HIV to share the information with their partners because it's such a difficult and stigmatizing thing to do.
0: And, Santo, when you were talking about um, holding off, what specifically were you talking about holding off from doing?
1: If you're going to hold off from telling a partner, then you would want to hold off from having sex with that person until you told them so that they would have full knowledge of what they were about to do.
0: And if someone was comfortable enough to share this information with a partner, what should the response be from the partner? What are some appropriate things... Um, that the partner should, should say or do?
1: I think that an appropriate response would be that they would ask for more information, that they may want to go to uh, their partner's doctor with them and ask questions, a list of questions, to find out the best method of using whatever protection necessary to reduce the risk of exposure uh, from getting the virus, and to make certain that the person that is being told by their partner that they're HIV positive to go and get tested because they may have been exposed already.
0: What are some things that uh, people might not know about HIV and AIDS, Twana? If you'd like
2: to prevent getting or spreading HIV, you shouldn't share personal items that have blood on them. And you might think, who would share personal items that have blood on them? But for example, toothbrushes. Um, How many of you have ever brushed your teeth a little bit too hard and then you actually had blood, like when you spit out and you got the toothpaste or whatever? Your toothbrush could actually have blood on it, so you shouldn't share personal items that have blood on it. And speaking of toothbrushes, earlier I mentioned that um, you can contract HIV if you have contact with any of the four fluids that transmit it through wounds or open sores, for example. If you brush your teeth very hard or floss very deeply and you have tears in your gums, that's also an open wound or sore. Um, so another thing s- people often don't know about spreading um, and contracting HIV is that you can contract HIV through oral sex. Um, sometimes when people say sex, you think it's very heterosexist and think vaginal sex, penis and vagina. But oral sex also um, spreads HIV as well.
1: One of the things that we speak to our clients about is if they are going to participate in oral sex and there is no barrier, that they may want to refrain from brushing their teeth two hours before, using any type of um, mouthwash that's extremely abrasive, has a high concentration of alcohol. Those are some of the things that we would provide to our clients so that they know that these are ways to reduce the risk of exposure even further.
0: What are some myths surrounding HIV and AIDS, Twana? Uh, that
2: HIV and AIDS can be cured—that um, is indeed a myth uh that you could contract HIV from using someone else's comb or hairbrush. Sometimes people get afraid of think, Oh, if you can get it from toothbrush, you can get it from everything. Again, it's not the toothbrush that's spreading it. It's one of the four fluids, blood being one. So if you comb your hair or brush your hair with something that someone with HIV, um, who's infected with HIV, has used, you won't contract HIV. That's another myth um, that you would. Um, if you kiss someone with HIV, that you too will contract it. That's a myth. Um, so there are tons of things that people
0: don't know about them, which is why we encourage uh, comprehensive sex education. We've been talking about AIDS and World AIDS Day with Tawana Hines, coordinator of the Comprehensive Adolescent Pregnancy Prevention Program and co-chair of the Youth Outreach Committee at Planned Parenthood, Hudson Peconic, and Santo Barbagiovanni, Giovanni, CHAPS program supervisor with AIDS-related community services. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having Thanks for having me. That's it for this edition of Outcasting, the Lower Hudson River Valley's only youth-run radio show dealing with LGBTQ struggles, triumphs, lifestyles, and favorite contraceptives, where you don't have to be queer to be here. If you are having trouble, whether it's at home, at school, or just with yourself, call the Trevor hotline at 866-488-7386 or visit them online at thetrevorproject.org. The Trevor Project is an organization dedicated to LGBT youth suicide prevention. Again, the number is 866-488-7386. Being different isn't a reason to hate or hurt yourself. Outcasting is a production of Westchester Public Radio, WDFH-FM 90.3, Austin, New York, and on the net at WDFH.org. For more information on this program and a list of resources, including the Trevor Project Suicide Hotline, visit us at WDFH.org and click on Outcasting. I'm Maddie. Thanks for joining us and tune in again next time. If you enjoyed this program, please make a tax-deductible gift to WDFH. We can't do programs like this without your support. Visit WDFH.org and click on Donate. Thanks.